Adam Crowley Show. I'm much better than a fan. They're not as much of a jackass as that. On ESPN Pittsburgh. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's the Adam Crowley Show. Adam's off again. I'm Rob Rossi, so you get an upgrade today and tomorrow, too, because I'll be with you. But I'm here with you till 7 o'clock. We are live and in color from Sensi's Restaurant. Join us here in Wexford. Great food, great drinks, Bud Light specials, happy hour deals. Watch some NCAA tournament games. Duke is bludgeoning Iona right now. This game's almost over. The second of four games at the PPG Paints Arena. And we will talk to Will Graves from the Associated Press, who's covering games at the arena later this hour. Rick Tockett, former Penguin player, former Penguin assistant coach, had as much of an impact as almost anybody on success of this franchise. Uh, a member of three of their five championship teams in one way or the other. His mother passed away, unfortunately. And we extend our condolences, obviously. I know Rick, and Rick is a good man. He said this about his mom. This is how she viewed him as a player. Quote, I never deserved a penalty. I never had a bad game. It was always the coach's fault. I could do no wrong. In her eyes, I was like Gretzky and Lemieux put together. It's a good woman right there. Her son was no saint when he played, let me tell you. He was a bad mamma jamma. But uh, we, uh, we, we give Rick the best, and we wish him the best, and our condolences to his family, his loved ones, uh, losing a parent. Never had to do it, and I'm glad I haven't, but... Uh, my sympathies with everybody that's gone through that. Let's talk a little bit about the Penguins, though, Rick's former team. Uh, bad loss last night in New York. That's not sugarcoated, right? That's a bad loss. Chance to pull back into first place against a team that has given up. The, the Rangers have not only given up, they've announced they've given up. Like, weeks before the trade deadline, they announced, like, we're out. We're, we're dealing, guys, right? To give away that game in the third period the way... And I know, look, every Penguin fan's holding their hat on one thing right now, which is, well, Matt Murray's not back, and these aren't the goalie... Hey, look. Matt Murray has not been healthy a lot this season. If you're pinning all your hopes on Murray coming back and staying healthy, I'm just saying it hasn't worked out that way all season. I hope I'm wrong. When Matt Murray's healthy and when he's on his game, he's as good as there is in this league. There may be nobody better when it comes to winning big games than Matt Murray. But if that's what you're holding your hat, if that's what you're hanging your hat on, I should say, maybe you should hold that hat a little bit because I don't know if you want to count on that. Here's the thing nobody's talking about. Penguins aren't very good on the road. I know, I know. Rossi, you're a hater. I don't hate this team. I like this team. But they're not very good on the road. I mean, what have they lost now? Eight more games on the road than they've won? I know everybody can say, well, you know, they get points out of some of the... Shut up. Shut up. You lose an overtime or a shootout 
on the road, you lost the game. I mean, we're just looking at the Penguins right now. They're 40, 26, and 5. That, it's a fine record. I mean, nobody's knocking their record. And if you look at the standings right now, look, do a lot of teams have more points than them? Yes, but so what? That's not going to matter in the playoffs. We all start with the same amount of points. But if you look at the Penguins right now, they got 85 points. They've played a lot more games than everybody else. They are winners of 14 games away from Pittsburgh. Now, they're awesome at home. But that ain't going to amount to a whole lot if they don't get home ice advantage. And right now, they'd have home ice advantage in a first-round series, but that's pretty much it. So ask yourself this, Penguin fans. And come at me on this, because I'd love to have this debate with you. Do you trust a team that's won 14 games all year away from Pittsburgh to win four playoff series when they probably would not have home ice advantage in three of them? They've been great on the road in the postseason. But that was the last two years. They have lost 22 road games this year. Now that counts the games they've lost in overtime in the shootout. But they've only won 14. So let me ask you this. Look at the playoff field. Tampa Bay's won 23 games away from Tampa. Boston's won 19 away. Toronto's won 17. Philly and New Jersey have each won 18. Right now, of teams that would be in the playoffs, the Penguins have... The Penguins are tied for the fewest amount of road wins. Bottom line, they're not a good road team. And for that very reason, I think it's paramount that they win this division. Paramount they win this division. Guarantee themselves two rounds of home ice advantage. Because right now, you're not looking at any home ice advantage, for the most part, in an Eastern Conference Final. Because right now, Tampa Bay, Boston, and Toronto, the likely three playoff teams from that division, they're all going to have home ice advantage over the Penguins. You may not think it matters, but here's where it matters. And people's, oh, game seven. Game seven where you have to have home ice at Wrong. Game five. Think about the Eastern Conference and the Stanley Cup Final last year. Okay? What happened in those series? Through four games, those series were even. You know what happened? When it became a best of three, that best of three started in Pittsburgh, and the Penguins blew the doors off the Ottawa Senators and the Nashville Predators. Otherwise, those series were even. In each of those series, which were won in seven and six games, respectively, by the Penguins, do you know what happened? In Game 5 in Pittsburgh, the Penguins used that momentum to blow the doors off an opponent and force that opponent into a situation where they had to beat a, a great team two times in a row to advance. It's really hard to beat a great team two times in a row in a Stanley Cup playoff series. 
It's going to be really hard to beat the Penguins two times in a row in a Stanley Cup playoff series. But it's going to be easier to beat the Penguins in a Stanley Cup playoff series if they don't have games at home where they are a much better team. It's no contest. This season, the Pittsburgh Penguins have almost twice as many wins at home as they do on the road. They've lost nine times in Pittsburgh. So you can tell me you don't worry about home ice advantage, but I know you're lying. And you're lying in the worst way. You're lying to yourself. You disgusting, shameful fans are lying to yourself because you don't believe in the darkest parts of your soul, in the recesses of your heart, in the blank vastness that is your mind's you don't believe the Penguins are a good road team. And you don't have confidence that they're going to go on the road and win a lot of playoff games. And you just don't want to admit this. With three weeks left, the Penguins are in a tough spot. They're looking at right now, if they don't win the division, possibly having all of one round with home ice advantage. And they're not what they were the last two years. They're not as deep in goal. They're not as deep on defense. And you'll say to me, well, Rossi, they got Crosby, and they got Mokin. They got your boy Mokin, who you're saying should be the MVP of the league. And they got Crosby, who you say is the best player in hockey. And they got, yeah, they got these guys, and they got a great third-line center in Broussard. And they're incredible with their forward depth. But you know what? If you don't have that home ice in four of those seven games, the other coach can get the matchup he wants out there against Crosby and against Mokin. So I'm not saying the Penguins can't do this. I'm just saying it's going to be a lot harder this year. They've already had to win eight consecutive playoff series to be in the position where they are as back-to-back defending Stanley Cup champions, right? Now, to complete the three-peat, they'd have to win 12 in a row. That has not been done in 30-plus years in this league, right? They need every inch of advantage that they can get because it's just hard to win playoff series in this league they have a banged up goalie who hasn't played a lot this season who's coming back and we hope he can stay healthy but they have a defense that's not as deep and they're not going to have home ice advantage which means if they split the first four games against a team that's better than them or equal to them this year, they may be looking at having to win two of three games on the road to win that series. It's a tough spot to be in. Not saying they can't do it. They can't. But I don't think this is getting enough attention in Pittsburgh. not saying the Penguins need home ice advantage throughout the playoffs. They better not because they're not going to win home ice advantage throughout the playoffs. But do you think they can win three consecutive rounds without it? By the way, just let's look at this historically. The 1991 Penguins had home ice advantage in three of their four rounds. The 1992 Penguins had home ice advantage in two of the four rounds. 
The 2009 Penguins had home ice advantage in two of the four rounds. The 2016 Penguins had home ice advantage in three of the four rounds. So did the 2017 Penguins. The Penguins have never won the Stanley Cup in a year that they've not had home ice advantage in at least two rounds. Now, sure, they could finish second in the division. Somebody could knock off the first place team, and they could end up with home ice advantage in those two rounds. But it just goes to show you that history suggests the Penguins right now aren't positioned to win the Stanley Cup. And you might think, because they've won some Game 7s on the road. They've won some big games in Washington. Clinched the Stanley Cup on the road the last two years, right? Places that are tough to win. San Jose and Nashville. Won a big game four in Ottawa. Won an elimination game six in Tampa two years ago. All of these things are true. But, imagine having to win an elimination game in Pittsburgh just to get to the game seven. Home ice doesn't guarantee anything. But there is a legitimate advantage. You do get, you do get that last change. So there is an advantage. I just wonder if a lot of Penguin fans are paying attention to this. I don't hear a lot of concern about the Penguins. I'm not saying they're doomed. I'm just saying they just lost another road game. And this one was to a bad team. And by the way, they have another one tonight in Montreal. And that's a bad team. What if they come out of this with one point? And they don't look good on the road either. They looked good in Philly. But where have they looked good on the road this year? You can count on one hand the number of really strong performances you've put together if you're Mike Sullivan's team on the road. There aren't more than a handful. At best, they can expect to be an average team on the road this year. They basically are in a position right now where they can afford like one or two more road losses to have a chance to be a 500 road club this year. It's tough for bad road teams to win the Stanley Cup. And let's not pretend that that isn't the only objective. And you have Crosby and Malkin and Kessel and Latang at this point in their careers, and they go into the playoffs healthy with that four, your expectation needs to be to win the Stanley Cup. They can't win it every year, but there aren't many years you have the chance to do it. They're going to have a chance again this year. They're going to have to be much better on the road. And I'm not sure they can be. Unless Matt Murray gets back, stays healthy, and steals him some games. He's going to have to be their best player for them to win the Stanley Cup this year. No question in my mind. As great as Crosby is, as great as Malkin is, as great as Crosby, Matt Murray is going to have to come back and be their best player for the Penguins to win the Stanley Cup. Do you think he can do that? How confident are you, Penguin fans? How confident is everybody out there in Super Mario Land? that the Penguins can get Matt Murray back and have him be their best player. I don't know. 
We're going to talk about this with Jesse Marshall from The Athletic when we come back here to The Adam Crowley Show. We are live at Sensi's. Join us. There is going to be hoops on all night. There are great drink specials, Bud Light specials, great food. And I'm Rob Rossi, so you got me until 7. So get in here, watch some hoops, listen to some hockey talk, and join us on the other side of this break with the one and only Jesse Marshall of The Athletic. This is ESPN Pittsburgh. Just because he graduated WVU doesn't mean he's educated, but he does know sports. It's Adam Crowley on ESPN Pittsburgh at 970 a.m. and now at 106.3 FM. We're back on the Adam Crowley Show here on ESPN Pittsburgh. We're checking out the menu here at Sensi's in Wexford right now to see what we might be uh, ordering up to get our grub on. But we're going to go to the guest line right now. Uh, joining us, a guy that I like to say when he was just a young buck kicking around in this hockey media industry, I would have him on various radio and newspaper platforms and talk about what a genius he was. And now he's a big-time star and forgets about us little people. Uh, I kid, of course. Uh, from The Athletic, my good friend Jesse Marshall. Jesse, how you doing, my friend? Doing well, Rob. Never forget about you, bud. <laughs> I don't let you. I'm annoying that way. All right, Jesse, let me, before we get into a story of yours that I really liked this week, uh, I want to talk about the elephant in the room here with the Penguins. And this road challenge, I guess, for lack of a better word, it's not just the record. You watch them play. They look like a completely different team. What do you see when you see this team playing away from Pittsburgh that concerns you the most? Well, I think most of the time in standard practice in the National Hockey League, Rob, is the, 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 the mantra is always to play a simpler game on the road, right? Okay. Dump pucks in, slow the pace down, take the crowd out of it, you know, kind of uh, play the long game, if you will, make the other team work for it. Um, the Penguins dictate home ice really well, and then they go on the road and they try to dictate road ice the same way they do at home. And I don't, you know, it's, it's sort of that Harlem Globetrotters approach that they have inside PPG Paints. It works really well for them there. But I mean, as you can see, you know, one taste of momentum for the New York Rangers uh, in that third period, they get a quick goal, they're right back in it, and the Penguins are still playing the game um, to completely outscore the opponent as opposed to outplaying the opponent. Uh, so I think that's what they got to work on. they got, they got to try to simplify that road game, and they can play a, a, an effective road game. Patrick Hornquist, City Crosby, even Jake Gensel. I mean, these guys can get in there and do the dirty work. I think they need to get, get back to brass tacks on that. Okay, but Jesse, my, I guess my concern would be, if I were a Penguin fan, is that what you're essentially telling me is they play the same way all year. Why should I think they're going to suddenly change their approach when the playoffs come around because it's been the type of approach that's had success at home all year and look i understand that the last couple years in the playoffs they've been a very good road team but that was the last couple of years they haven't shown us anything this year consistently on the road that says they're going to learn from these mistakes you're right and and to your point last year i think everybody was waiting them waiting for them to become a really good defensive hockey team you know, when Mike Sullivan took over, you know, um, uh, two years ago, uh, three years ago now, he, he righted the ship in December, and the Penguins instantaneously skyrocketed up in terms of the limiting scoring chances, limiting goals, limiting right. shots. Uh, that last year, that never happened. And I think going into the playoffs, we're all like, they're going to flip the switch. 
Uh, they're going to get back to brass tacks on that. They're going to they're going to fix that defense up, and it never happened. They won the they won the Stanley Cup being a below average defensive hockey team. Uh, this year might be the year they win the Stanley Cup again for the third time, being a below average road hockey team. That's certainly plausible because there hasn't been anything that's been able to stop them up to this point. So, is it a concern? Yes. Is it going to affect them in the in the postseason? It typically doesn't. Well, let me, so we're going back to this, and I don't know if you heard the last segment, Jesse, but I was basically making the argument that I think it's an under, um, it's, a, it's a story that's being not paid a lot of attention to, but the Penguins, unless they win this division, are likely looking at having to, to win the Stanley Cup, having to win three consecutive series in which they wouldn't have the home ice advantage. And I bring that up for this reason. They essentially won the Stanley Cup last year, because in rounds three and four, after even through four-game series, they blew the doors off a team at home Yeah. in game five. And, you know, the benefit of winning game five at home is you only have to win one of the next two to win that series. Right. Um, I think that when you're, when you're the Pittsburgh Penguins and you have Crosby, Malkin, Kessel, and Latang healthy, you're, you have to be thinking Stanley Cup or bust. Now, you can't win it every year, but you don't have many... You don't always have great opportunities like this. They're going to have those four healthy, you hope. Um, if they get Matt Murray back, how – not so much the way they play on the road, but, but looking at a having to win maybe three of those series where they wouldn't have that advantage, how tough is that going to be to do for this team? It's going to be huge. You know, the old adage in the playoffs, Rob, is the series doesn't start until somebody wins on the road. Right. Uh, if the Penguins can't do that, um, they're going to have a hard time winning a single series, let alone four of them. So, yeah. um, th- And I think it's that fifth game, Jesse. I've always thought game seven at home, that's a little bit overrated. Game five at home is huge. Because if you can force a team to have to win uh, – sorry, Jesse. If you can force a team to have to win two in a row to eliminate you – that's that's why the home ice is important. It's getting that game five at home, isn't it? Uh, it is, because think about the tempo that you, you right. then get in games. You, go back to last year. Even go back uh, to San Jose the year before. Mm-hmm. Those games were tight-checking games, Rob. Those game sixes. They, the, the Penguins outground the other team. There was a ground-and-pound game that they won right. at. Uh, they have a way to put you to sleep. Uh, they, 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 they've proven that they can play a responsible defensive game in the neutral zone where they, they counterattack and capitalize on those opportunities. That's how Patrick Hornquist scored in Game 6 against Nashville last year. Um, but to your point, if you're, if you're not going to be doing that, if you're, if you're going to keep playing freewheeling offensive hockey, uh, you're going to have a problem. And the Penguins are aware of the fact that they're doing it, Rob. That's something we haven't discussed yet. They will openly tell you, yes, we are aware that this is what we are doing, uh, but it hasn't changed. So I think if there's concern, it's that, that you can recognize the issue without actually fixing it. Uh, and, and Lord knows Mike Sullivan has made it very clear this year as well. My guest on ESPN Pittsburgh is the great Jesse Marshall of The Athletic. Jesse, tell people your Twitter account because I always get it wrong. Uh, it's at jmarshfof. Okay, when are we changing that? Come on now. Goodness, I don't know. it's been that way for, for like three years now. All right, all right, Jesse. Yeah. Uh, you wrote about creating space and the opportunities, yeah. and I want you to talk a little bit about, I think, maybe the most underappreciated part of Patrick Hornquist's game. And I always thought it was the most underappreciated part of Chris Kunitz's game, too. 
you know, when we talk about having a Crosby and a Malkin, that's great. But if you don't have guys that can figure out how to create space for those players, it doesn't really matter how great they are, does it? No, it doesn't. And, and you know what, to your point, Rob, I think that the Penguins are so comfortable with giving Patrick Hornquist the contract that they did uh, because they watched what happened with Chris Kunitz right. in the elder years of his career. So they knew that there was going to be a drop-off in performance, but it wasn't going to negatively affect the team. He was still going to be an effective hockey player. Penguins don't make it to the Stanley Cup final last year without Chris Kunitz. So uh, for me, creating space is, is, is the same thing as creating havoc. And, I, and I, some of the videos that we posted on The Athletic this week showed Patrick Hornquist going into one-on-three situations. Situations where he really has no business walking away with the puck uh, and, and coming out with it and making plays that immediately resulted in goals. Uh, that's space for me. And when you have a guy playing the game with reckless abandon and he's going to go in there uh, and finish checks and create separation between the man and the puck, uh, you know, Hornquist might not win 100% of those battles himself, Rob, but he holds the play up long enough for guys like Evgeny Malkin to get there and do something with it. Uh, right. and, and that's and if really you where the difference comes in. And if you're willing to... If you're willing to fight those battles as often as he is, you eventually deter the other guy from wanting to do it too. Over the court, that's what's so hard about beating the Penguins in a seven-game series. Right. It's, it's you know beating them once is one thing. Beating them four out of seven times is extremely difficult because of players like that. And you even got on the lineup again. I mentioned Jake Gensel earlier. It's not easy to go into the boards and win, no. win a puck against Jake Gensel. It's not easy to do that against Brian Russ. These are supremely talented hockey players uh, that also fit exactly what Mike Sullivan is looking for and how his team attacks. And it's a constant, unwavering, forechecking approach. Um, and, and my goodness, it's maddening uh, to, have to, to have to play that way if you're a defenseman on another team. And you get that sense of pressure, you know, overwhelms you, and it can force you into making decisions quicker than you'd like to, and that's how turnovers are generated. Absolutely, and I think we've seen the last two years when the Penguins are on top of their game, they look overwhelming at times. You know, Jesse, I, I, but I'd be remiss if I didn't mention, with any team that wins, uh, the league adjusts. And I don't know if the league has adjusted so much in any way other than, you don't, other than Washington and Columbus. Who in this, and, and Boston, and Boston's built in a way that I don't think Boston needs to be fast. But you look at the rest of this Eastern Conference. There's a lot more speed that's going to be in this playoff field than the Penguins are used to seeing. They've had a, and when I say speed, I don't just mean guys that can skate fast. Playing with pace, Toronto yeah. can play with pace. New Jersey can play with pace. Philadelphia can play with pace. Tampa Bay can play with pace. That's to me where, and you look at the West. A lot of teams are doing that now. That's to me what has put the Chicago Blackhawks in a bind. That's to me what makes it tougher for the Penguins to win, is because these teams have seen we have to be able to play with pace to have a chance against Pittsburgh. Yeah. You, you said earlier, you know, what's the league's answer? The league's answer is to, to copycat. That's what it's right. been. Um, they've tried everything else, and it hasn't worked. So, I mean, you know, I, you think about the Penguins last year alone, Rob, they, they beat the 1-3-1. One, one. Um, you know, they beat that heavy four-check that Columbus brings, that sort of, uh, you know, more physical style of hockey. Uh, they've proved that they can go toe-to-toe with anybody and win with their style alone. Um, New Jersey now is a team that if you look where they I mean, nobody expected New Jersey to be where they are right now. Nobody expected Ray Shiro to be buying players at the trade deadline this season. And you look at the structure in which, that which they've employed, uh, it's almost a direct replica of what the Penguins are doing. I think Mike Babcock has actually had to pull the reins back on the Maple Leafs a little bit. I think right. he got a little too out of control. They can there, play so. too. Yeah, they can, they can play with so much pace that it actually is a detriment to them. I'm glad you brought up the Devils, though, because I've been saying for a month now to, our, to many of our colleagues, Jesse, that's the team in this division, I think, that could knock off the Penguins in round one. 
Especially not, if I mean, Corey Snyder's healthy. Yeah, yeah because they've, they 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 are a well coached team. They have a lot of speed. They have a potential goaltending advantage in that if Schneider's healthy, he's capable of stealing one or two games in that series. Not that Matt Murray wouldn't, but he's capable of matching Murray. This is a real... And, and I also think there's some of this factor that I'm not sure that the Penguins can get it in themselves to be as fundamentally concerned about the Devils as they would be those other teams. No, there's a, there's hatred with Washington. Right. I mean, that's that's a familiar opponent. Columbus, Columbus there's hatred. Philadelphia, it's that Philly, rivalry. Yeah. Jersey, Jersey's almost like no. it's like there's not enough jam there. And there, that building probably won't even be full when they go there, Rob, if no. they go there in the playoffs. So it, it's a different scenario for them. It's a weird situation. I, I have been waiting for the Devils to go away all year. I, I did not think that we would be having this conversation right now, uh, even in, as far back as, or little as far back as February, I was waiting for this thing to fall apart. Uh, but they're doing it by generating more scoring chances than the other team, Ron. That sounds so yeah. simple, but when you play wide open like that, you force the pace up. Uh, that plays to your advantage when you have players that can swap in and out for each other. And what I mean by that is, you watch this with the Penguins all the time, this is something that Evgeny Malkin is so great at. When they, when they forecheck, they send one or two guys in, Rob, those guys will peel off, and a new set of players will swing into forecheck. So it's almost like a cyclone, right? And it never right. ends. And, and you, you so often see of getting Malkin catching the guys from behind as he's sort of swinging back into New Jersey. New Jersey, that's exactly what they're doing. That's exactly what they're doing. They're controlling the neutral zone, and they're, they're ratcheting up the pace of play in between the two blue lines uh, to, to extra fast. And when you're a structured team uh, that, that plays a disciplined style of hockey, that's going to throw you off. So... Um, yeah, I mean, include Toronto in there and, and even Tampa for that matter, and this is going to be uh, a war zone of an Eastern Conference playoff. Uh, Jesse Marshall, my guest here on ESPN Radio. I'm Rob Rossi filling in for Adam Crowley, so there's all the confusion out of the way. Jesse, let me leave you with getting a chance to ask answer this question. Maybe we overcomplicate this. Is it as simple as saying for the Penguins to win the Stanley Cup again, Matt Murray has to come back and be their best player in the playoffs? It's that simple. Yeah, really? It's that simple. Yeah. Um, Why? I mean, they're, they're, they, gotta get, they have to get a little bit more, Rob. But I, I would even I would reword that to say the only chance the Penguins have to okay. win the Stanley Cup is if Matt Murray comes back. There have been times over the course of the last two cup runs where they were absolutely 110% bailed out by a goaltender. Yeah. Whether that person was Marc-Andre Fleury or Jeff Zapkoff in a game or, or Matt Murray, it didn't right. matter. They got an un- otherworldly performance. And I'm not saying that, that Tristan Jari and Casey DeSmith aren't capable of doing that. I am. In small, I am. In small chunks? Small chunks, in yeah. In one or two games? Maybe. Not, but, but to your point, they're not going to do it five times. Yeah. And, yeah. I, th- and, and, and I think, and, Jesse, when you look at it, the concern right now has to be, is this one of those seasons because of many different circumstances, Matt Murray's just never going to be able to work himself into a rhythm. It's a concern. It's a concern because the, the, the nine games that he played up to that concussion were his best games of the season. The right. games in which he looked most like himself and all the, the, the terrible things that have happened yeah. to him this year were kind of rear-viewed. Um, you got to wonder what shape he's going to be in when he comes back. I mean, that, that, it, yeah, just... I mean, he's capable of being I – think, I think he's the goalie I'd want to win one game in the playoffs, but it's just one of those years. Sometimes you just have one of those years where nothing goes your way. 
And it's, it's just happening right now. The Penguins, yeah. as a whole, Rod, and it doesn't matter who the goaltender has been, uh, you know, those games that Anthony Emi uh, just completely laid eggs in earlier this year, this year, those have statistically been accounted for now, right? Right. So we can't just blame that on their poor goaltending. They're, they're, they are in the bottom third of the league in goaltending, Rob, period, point blank. Yeah. Uh, this is unfamiliar territory for them. Every year going into the playoffs, that is the one area uh, that they've felt good about. Now, obviously, you know, you, you think back to that Zatkoff game I mentioned, that was obviously unplanned for, but otherwise, I mean... It's been there the entire time. You can't be hard-pressed to think of a game they lost because of goaltending, and now that's a possibility that you have to entertain. Yeah. It's going to be a fascinating uh, final couple of weeks going into this tournament. It's going to be a real interesting start to that tournament, too, Jesse. I don't think we've, I don't think we've seen a start to the tournament the last couple of years that really made you feel like the Penguins were threatened. I think that's going to be the case out of the shoot this year and we'll have you on again to talk about it jesse marshall of the athletic follow him on twitter i'm rob rossi filling in for adam crowley this is espn pittsburgh this is the adam crowley show on espn pittsburgh and the iheart radio app Adam Crowley Show, giving you all those good diggity vibes here on a Thursday afternoon from Sensi's in Wexford. Adam, uh, is out and about, so is Oates, but I, Rob Rossi, am here to talk a little tourney with you. I can't keep that up. I'm sorry it hurts my voice. Uh, welcome back to ESPN Pittsburgh. Rob Rossi in for Adam Crowley, and let's go to the scene of the basketball games here in Pittsburgh. My good friend, one of the finest sports writers in any part of the country from the Associated Press, Will Graves. Will, you're at PPG Paints Arena. Other than the court looking good, and I do, I like the way the court's been designed. What's uh, what stood out to you so far in the afternoon tilt? Dude, uh, I, I literally did not know that was you <laughs> on that bump music. I was like, well, oh, man, well, the producer's you, been ha- yeah. smoking a little something. That was impressive, man. Yeah, we're just impressive. digging this. We're digging it, Will. <laughs> Cool uh, yeah, look, uh, you know, there's there's a lot going on in college basketball these days, uh, but the tournament always sort of saves it, the NCAA, you know, from all the other stuff. It's sort of, you know, we, we wring our hands about the status of the athletes and the issues, all the, the dark underbelly, and should these guys be getting paid or at least be able to capitalize on their own image and all that stuff and then the game start and there's an upset and everybody forgets for a couple weeks and that's <laughs> kind of what that's kind of where we're at right i mean it's um leave it really to sports game. to have the sports part tune out all the bad yeah, stuff for that's a while exactly, i mean hey look i just got back <laughs> from the olympics it was literally the same thing you can look at all the bloat with the, and the corruption with the olympics and then the game start and you're talking to these people with incredible stories and you, and you just oh it's fine you know it's, it's, it's the same deal but look out here two good games or well, one good game and then duke won easily over iona and the in the second game, but uh, Rhode Island and Oklahoma, really, really good game, especially if you happen to be a, a pick fan and you're wondering who we're going to get for the next coach. I mean, it's, you watch Danny Hurley, Rhode Island coach Danny Hurley on the sideline, and you think, that guy could could do well in a bigger league, uh, particularly this one. So, well, Will, um, let, me, uh, let me ask you that. Uh, you, you, you addressed the elephant in the room there, so let's, let's go, uh, let's ride that, baby. Uh, is he going to be the next pit coach? Um, you know, I, I mean, uh, 
if they can afford him. If they can afford him. <laughs> if they can afford him. I, I think he, you know, he's sort of earned the right to kind of call his own shot. Um, like, every, it was a weird day yesterday. I mean, like, he kind of acknowledged, like, hey, I know my name's out there. Um, I tell my players my name's out there, but we don't really talk about it. And then literally the rest of the day, the Pittsburgh sports media peppering the other coaches, you know, from Jay Wright at Villanova to Krzyzewski about, like, hey, Pitt's still a good job, right? And, you know, they say what coaches are going to say, but, I mean, look, there's, there's only 15 of these jobs. It's the best conference in the country. There's only 15 of these jobs. And, uh, you know, this, there's, a, there's a recent history of, of success. It's not like they were good 30 years ago for, like, five minutes. I mean, this, this program was in the tournament two years ago. I know it's hard to believe. Yeah, I was there. So, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things where, I mean, I think that Kim, he – he sort of he he said no to some jobs last year when they were coming off a you know a, a, a twenty five win season where they won a game in the tournament, won the A ten. He came back to, to Rhode Island, so you know it's possible that he stays uh, a while longer. But I also think if Pitt can find the money, I think you could make a pretty compelling argument if you're Heather like to to say, hey Dan, I think it's time for you to come to the ACC. Will Graves, my guest here, he is the. Uh... Pittsburgh AP sports writer. He's at PPG Paints Arena covering the second round of the NCAA tournament. I know that it seems like the first round, but technically it's not. Will, it's maybe not something that gets a lot of attention, but it's interesting to me that in a town that is basically known as a great pro sports town, um, sort of before our eyes, Pittsburgh and PPG Paints Arena have become a rotation regular for the NCAA tournament. Why do you think that is? Well, I think, you know, proximity. Um, you know, it's interesting. This is the closest, you know, this is the closest the tournament gets to New York. And there are a lot of, uh, this year outside of Boston, where the regional will be next uh, next week, uh, there are a lot of, for, this is kind of a, I mean, it's an okay region in terms of the game. But uh, you know, have give Duke and Villanova, and you know, oh, well, you got. I think it's the best draw for anybody out there. I mean, the games I, I aren't great, you but have you've a, got a lot of good teams. You got a lot of high quality, profile teams. Got a quality venue. It's it's not that far of a travel for most of the teams here, um, it, and I think there is a passionate. I mean, I I think we might get more fans in three sessions across two days than Pitt may have gotten literally all season. Um, well, there are also a little teams bit that don't score seven right. points and a half. But yeah, I mean, let's say they're <laughs> going to get twenty twenty. They're going to get around probably fifty thousand over three days. Right. And Pitt had what average four thousand with at twenty home games, so maybe not quite that much. But I mean, it's people turn out, and it's not just. I mean, look, it's not like Radford travels that well. I mean, these are these are local people buying the tickets. It's a good. It's a, it's, this has always been a good site to, to host stuff. I mean, it's. This arena makes it uh, like I've been around. I've been to regionals in different parts of the country, uh, and this is you know this is outside of you know maybe maybe Lexington just because it's a larger venue and because there's a little more history there outside of Raleigh. This is as good as any place I think you're going to find as you hear the uh, Radford 
I'm sorry, Villanova make its way down the hall towards where I'm at, <laughs> ruining my my fabulous hit on the the Rob Rossi Adam Crowley radio power. Well, well I um I got a theory on this, and I want to hear your thoughts because you know you've been in Pittsburgh a long time. I think Pittsburgh as a sports town is really good, but I think any sports town is better when the teams win consistently. The Steelers and Penguins have won a lot, so this team, this town has had a lot of opportunity to see a lot of greatness. Um, Pittsburgh's a great events town. Right. Whether it's fireworks or whatever, concerts, I mean, there's a reason Kenny Chesney comes here every year. It's a great event town. The NCAA tournament's an event as much as it is anything. And I think Pittsburgh knows how to do that. And there aren't a lot of pro towns that can do that in the way Pittsburgh does. Now, with uh, it, I mean, I still think, and you're right, I think, look, uh, I lived in, I grew up in D.C. suburbs. The NCAA tournament would go to wherever, the Capitol Center or... You know, the MCI Center, wherever they're calling it these days. And it's not quite the same enthusiasm. Um, uh, there is a sort of a collegial enthusiasm to sports in general in this town. I mean, I lived in Kentucky where uh, for six years where they identified University of Kentucky and Louisville like as the, you know, basically the end-all, be-all uh, for the state. And I think that there is sort of that culture here a little bit with their teams. They, Pittsburghers are very proud of uh, their pro teams as they should be when you've had the success that they've had. And I think that enthusiasm, it still feels like, I was talking to somebody about this the other day, it still feels kind of, kind of small. Like there is a lot of civic pride taken in this that it, I think is, that sort of fervency isn't matched in, in other markets of similar and larger size. I just don't think it is. Will Graves, my guest here, he's covering the NCAA tournaments second and third rounds, uh, at PPG Paints Arena for the AP. Will, I, want to get your thought on this i was saying this earlier in the show now everybody knows i'm not a huge fan of this tournament in general every year i i don't like the way it's set up i don't think it really does reward the teams that are the first and second seats with enough of an advantage and the the suggestion i made was eliminating neutral courts for the second and third rounds and putting them the one and two seats at home giving them a true home court advantage for those opening rounds, and then doing the neutral site starting in the Sweet 16. Yay or nay? Nay. Why? Oh, Come on. It'd be so much better. It's one, thing, it's one thing if you're the women's tournament and you sort of need that to do that just to get people to show up to your games early in the tournament. I mean, it's a, but I mean, I just think that that's too much. I mean, asking – it also leads the seeding – you know, so what? I mean, what's the gap between the two seed and the three seed? Not much, but the three seed has to play on a neutral court while Duke gets Duke's the two seed. Duke gets the hell. I came here and won by twenty-two. The game was over after then, fifteen then minutes. Then do it so that if you're a top, could they do it? If you're a top four seed, you own the you own the home court well, advantage. I, I don't know what I would prefer if I was going to tweak it. What my preference would be: stop with this. You know, like they talk about oh proximity and guys don't have to travel. Why are WVU and Marshall playing in San Diego? Well, I think that's because they could get flights out of West Virginia to take both teams there. I mean, serious. Like, I think that's why those teams ended up in that bracket. I would, would, I would rather them make a legitimate commitment to making it a re- – that's what they used to do it 40 years ago before they spread to uh, they spread to 64 teams. I mean, it was basically like literal regional tournaments. That's one of the right. reasons UCLA got to the Final Four every year. Not, I mean, not only was it a There great would program, be more there was, excitement. There was a lot of competition out West back in the right. 60s and 70s. There would be more excitement in Pittsburgh this weekend if WVU and Marshall were both playing here, right? Yes. I, I mean, I think locally, for sure. Yeah. I, I, it was a really good crowd. I mean, this is the third time I've it, it's been here since I've been here, and I would say this was probably the largest uh, 
certainly larger than anything we saw three years ago. And, and I think in 12, I know WVU came and got whacked by, uh, by Gonzaga. Um, but I think that, yeah, I think, why not? And especially, my God, what if they both won? Right. And then they played, I mean, that's, yeah, that's... It's I mean, a strange so tournament, Will, because it's a national tournament that's regional early on. No, I mean, but look, they, they did the same thing. Like, Charleston and, uh, and Clemson are playing in the same region, and they could play in the second round. Right. You know, another, but, but not in Charleston, not anywhere not anywhere, anywhere near Charleston. So it, it's sort of, I don't know. I mean, like, this is where we get into the, sort of the, sh- the shady, murky, this is sort of a business, and it's sort of ugly, and <laughs> uh, everybody's making money off this, but the athlete side of it, which we try to block out because people lose their minds because Loyola hit a three at the buzzer to beat Miami. So... I'm with you. I, there, as I get older, there are thornier and thornier issues with this thing that's just harder and harder to ignore. And I love the tournament. It was one of the ways my father and I, who didn't bond about much, I mean, I filled out my first bracket in 88 or 89, and we did it every year until uh, his passing. And, and I, the last three years, you know, my eight-year-old Colin, he and I have, I mean, he's, he's crazy for the bracket. He is insane for the brackets. I think he even shared it on Crowley's show when that, on my Tuesday is. <laughs> Um, and so it's something that we share together. My enthusiasm for filling out the brackets this morning and yesterday had more to do with the fact that this is a tradition that I want, you know, my son and I to share as opposed to any actual enthusiasm for the tournament. Well, I, you know, I think the one good thing, Will, about this tournament is it's only going to get bigger and it's always going to be something where people are interested in it. Um, if nothing else, the first two days of this tournament are havens for betters and that's always going to make oh, yeah. it something that that people love yeah, you're absolutely right i mean like i you know i went to the bus stop this morning and dropped my kids off and there's a guy uh whose daughter goes to the same bus stop and we were talking and he was taking the day off and he was going to be monitoring his online account <laughs> and, uh, sitting at gateway grill with his laptop up and you know trying to make his next mortgage payment so yeah wow. i mean that's certainly i had i had somebody come up to me at the end of the Rhode island game and uh, to say that was close. I had Rhode Island minus one and a half. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and you're right. I mean, it's in the brackets, you tell you tell Paul Zeiss I said hello. <laughs> so uh, I joke. I joke. All right, Will. I got to run, but hey, enjoy the games tonight, and uh, hopefully we'll see you Saturday. That's Will Graves of the AP. Uh, follow his coverage, uh, ap.com. Follow him on Twitter at Will Graves AP. PPG Paints Arena, the site for some good basketball. The rest of today and Saturday, we'll be back here on the Adam Crowley Show on ESPN Pittsburgh.